0: We've had I I think it was over 120 women on our side of the aisle who were recruited and did run. That's important and the more women see other women running I think you know that they think I could do that too and and it's not it's not as crazy of an idea.
1: I'm Danielle Weisberg. And I'm Carly Zakin. And we are the co-founders of The Skim. You're listening to our podcast, Skimmed from the Couch, where we talk to other female entrepreneurs about what it's like to get to the top and then what it's like along the way. We're talking bad advice, the really, really low days, the management mistakes, everything that goes into the real stuff. No BS. We started The Skim from a Couch, so what better place to talk it all out than where it all began? We're on a couch. Please join us in welcoming Ashley Strong to the couch. Ashley is the National Press Secretary for House Speaker Paul Ryan. She's been working in political communications for years. Ashley started as an aide in the White House, then the Senate, and she worked her way up from there. She's worked in comms roles for representatives and senators, and she was even the senior communications director for Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker's 2016 presidential run. Ashley definitely knows a thing or two about the ins and outs of DC and how to navigate a career there. Ashley, welcome to The Couch.
0: Thanks for having me, it's great to be here.
1: We are thrilled
2: to have you. So first question, are you like Toby from the West Wing? (laughs) Uh,
0: I'm not as glamorous as anyone on the West Wing. (laughs) Um, But is
2: that your
1: role, like are you a Toby? Did you watch the West Wing? So
0: full disclosure, I did watch the West Wing. I am, I I don't think you could work in DC and I, I have not had experience watching that. I think the day-to-day is probably a little different, um, but as it relates to being a fixer and um, cleaning things up, probably a little similarities.
2: So, I mean, what, like Skim Press, what is a communications director?
0: Sure, sure. My role is to be the liaison to reporters. We have a large press corps in the Capitol. As it relates to political press, there's, generally speaking, political, national reporters, White House reporters, and Capitol reporters. Um, my job is to work with national reporters and capital reporters to get our message out as it relates to what the speaker is trying to do, the work that he's putting in in the Capitol, and really being, in some ways, a liaison back to our office on behalf of those reporters as well in terms of um, getting access, helping them get information, any questions they have. I serve as the conduit uh, to the press and between my office and, um, and the press corps.
1: How do you start crafting a message, especially when you're working with someone new? Because obviously you've been working with a speaker for a while, but let's take Governor Walker, like walking into that. How do you start with a message or a strategy and actually bring it to life?
0: Sure. Well, for me, understanding where the person has been in the past on policy is a very important. Consistency is key to have trust with people, to have trust with reporters. Um, having that background on where people have been in the past is incredibly important to know where you want to be going in the future. So that's where I would start. Beyond that, I would want to sit down with our policy staff. Um, that's always important to have a communicator at the ground level in crafting the strategy. Um, it's not enough to craft a policy strategy and then have a communicator dive in at the last minute to sell the product. The product won't be as good if there's not someone in the beginning on the front end crafting that product. That's the way that my office currently operates and that's um, I think the the model for how any elected official or frankly any company for that matter should operate in terms of product design and, and selling it and promoting it. So you know having those strategy meetings with the policy people for me is important and then having your definitions of success where do you want to go what is the end goal here is this managing you know low expectations is this getting a bill across the finish line this is, you know, it depends on what your outcome will be, but having those benchmarks is important and it's like selling any product, um, an idea or, or a, a good in hand, um, having that benchmark is important.
2: What happens when you disagree with the idea personally?
0: Frankly, my job, and I've accepted this from the beginning, is to, is to represent my boss. And there will never be someone that you will agree with 100%. There are no two humans that agree on everything the same. So. Uh, having that recognition going in and identifying a boss that you agree with on most things is important and and the best recipe for success. But knowing that there probably are going to be areas where you fundamentally don't agree, uh, luckily for me, it's fairly minimal. uh,
2: But have you ever told speaker ryan hey like privately like i i don't agree with this
0: oh absolutely i mean in terms of approach in terms of advice the speaker would tell you if you were sitting here uh he doesn't hire people to say yes uh he wants that feedback in fact after most interviews after most press conferences each week when we walk away he says what how how did i do what could i have done better he wants to hear that and i think that those are the best leaders the people that want to hear that and surround themselves with people who aren't afraid to offer that uh, pushback, that feedback uh, in a way that is encouraging, um, not uh, you know, put down or negative, something in a way that they won't dwell on it for a long time, but in a way that they can acknowledge it, move forward and, and fix it the next time.
1: Given that you just said that part of your role in a big way is to put out the message from someone else, from your boss, how do you vet a new opportunity, right? Because you're gonna be working on their message, which could or could not be different from your own beliefs. How do you vet the candidates that you work for? How do you vet your new bosses?
0: Sure, it's a good question. Uh, fortunately, for uh, for most public officials, you have a wide breadth of um, history and in terms of public statements. Uh, it's not you know too hard to go on their website or to find what they've said in the past. I think that demographics matter, um, where they're from, what they stand for, what they've worked on in their past previous lives. All of those things matter. And I, and I strongly urge communicators to look at that. When people come to me for advice on jobs, I, I often say, look at your delegation first, where you're from, who's your home state representative? Are there similarities there? If not, who? make a list of 10 people that you would want to work for, who you identify with, and then Figure it out. Go from there. Identify their chiefs of staff. Identify how you can get to to that person. But the due diligence on the front end is simple research and, and talking to people on the Hill, people like me and others who might know folks in the office, might know the person themselves. That's what I would recommend.
2: Your job is very hard. It would be hard no matter what political party, and it would be hard no matter what political year. But it has been especially an interesting time in D.C. in the last few years, and and things are tense, to, say, to put it mildly. What keeps you staying? Why? Why not just say, you know what? Like this has just gotten like too crazy. I'm tired of being yelled at all day. I'm tired of people critiquing me everywhere I go. Like and my boss everywhere I go. Why not? Why not leave?
0: Yeah. Well, on the front end, let me acknowledge it. it certainly, is an interesting news cycle these days. And I spend a lot more time on Twitter than I ever thought I would. But you're right. Uh, the the frequency, the tone, the tenor has all changed. I don't think that it's a product. Uh, a new product I think it's accelerated in recent years and I'm here because I work for an eternal optimist and it encourages all of us every day to get up and get going and get as much done as we can. We've always known that there was an end line for the speaker, this wasn't a forever job and we had very specific goals we wanted to get done. We're nearing those goals and we're running through the tape as he would like to say. I know it's a cliche, but um, we uh, we truly are um, moving at a pretty quick pace still. And, and so every day we wake up knowing that we want to be making a difference for people and we want to be improving lives and i think everyone on capitol hill is there for that Uh, we might not agree with the approach we might not agree with the policies but i think everybody on capitol hill is there to make people's lives better
1: how do you think about your day-to-day role knowing that your boss is leaving i'm using that in kind of the the everyday sense obviously he has a big impact on policy and but at the end of the day, for you, he's just your boss that is not going to be there. Sure. What does that mean for you? How do you think through that?
0: Sure. Well, from a from a perspective of my current position um, in terms of how I function, it's, it's liberating in certain ways. Um, there is a freedom that we have to get as much done as quickly as possible. There's a sense of urgency, and I think that's incredibly important, having deadlines and having having something to strive for in the next couple of months is, is really something at the staff level we can all feel and we all identify with. I would say, on a personal level, it makes me grateful. I'm incredibly grateful every day. I work in what's called the Speaker's Lobby, a room off of the House floor, and I'm surrounded by any number of reporters on any given day during the vote series. In these recent months, I've looked around and thought, how grateful am I to be here with the world-class reporters that we have and with members and with all of this talented staff on both sides of the aisle in the United States Capitol. It's quite an opportunity, and I think on a personal level, I feel just an immense amount of gratitude.
2: So we, we visited you and the speaker, and we got to do the interview on this like beautiful balcony that you just get to see the whole mall, and it was mm-hmm. one of the most spectacular views I've ever seen. What are the moments where, even on the ugliest days of politics and in the most tense times when people are calling you things and your boss things and you want to call other people things and maybe do, what <laughs> Never. What, what? are the moments when you're like, this is really fucking cool? Like yeah. put, put politics aside for like one second. Like where do you get just like, look where I work?
0: Yeah, I I would have to say when I leave at night, it makes the everything better. I generally speaking, I'm leaving – at an hour where there are very few people in the Capitol, And when I'm leaving and I'm walking through, my, my floor is the first level where the crypt is. And I oftentimes try to go upstairs to the main level where you guys were and walk out that door because when there's no one in there, there's not a single tourist and you're standing in the rotunda, it's just an incredible experience and one that makes everything better. Knowing the people that have been there, so many important figures have gone before us, so many people have been there from across the world, visiting and identifying with what we view as our, 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 our constitution, our structure of government, all of these big concepts of freedom and liberty. When you're there by yourself and you look up, it's a pretty humbling moment.
2: When you think about kind of the sense of history, it puts in perspective that you are a woman working in a field that is dominated by men. Across the aisle, there are more women than ever running for office, hopefully something that everyone on all sides are excited about and seeing women really creating more of a presence that has been long missing on the Hill. How do you think about that responsibility? And then how do you, and I want to talk about who your mentors are, but then how do you think about giving back so that other women can follow in your shoes?
0: Sure. You touched on a very important subject of women in, in politics. And I know on both sides of the aisle this year, we've had record numbers of women running both at the local level, the state level, the governor's office. One of my, a woman I look up to greatly, Christine Noem, is on the verge of potentially being the first female governor of South Dakota. There are stories like that across the country. And I think as a nation, we should be very proud of that. While it's delayed, it's, it's, it's important in time. I think we've recruited over 120 candidates this year to run for house seats. Female candidates. Um, that's something that I'm really proud of as uh, being in this party. And you know, people like Congresswoman Elise Stefanik have made that a priority, as it relates to you know fostering that environment. I think that's incredibly important on the, on the front end, identifying these people and and encouraging them to come out of their what they're living is probably a fairly comfortable lifestyle um, and putting themselves out in the spotlight. It's not an easy task to get people to agree to that for obvious reasons, but identifying that on the front end and carrying that through is important, and I'm proud that we've done that on, as, as Republicans, and like I said, it's something you're seeing across both aisles.
1: Let's take a quick break. We've got a lot going on at Skim HQ. You're listening to Skim from the Couch, so we know you're all about female entrepreneurs and what it takes to make it to the top. But we've got something new to share with you too. In partnership with P&G, it's a new video series called Getting There, sponsored by Olay, Secret, and Pantene. Great lineup. We're going to let our friend Katie Kirk, I cannot believe I just said that ah, – tell you all about it. Ever wonder how some of the best and brightest made it to where they are? Behind every successful woman is the story
0: about getting there and their journey to the top. So I'm teaming up with The Skim to learn and share the secrets of their success.
1: Follow The Skim on Facebook to watch Getting There. Now, let's get back to our conversation. You're an expert in messaging, as much as you can be, right? And I think about what you just said, and I think, you know, we have been so excited to see as we've all said, the amount of women running for office. And hopefully that does bring a change of perspective in a lot of different ways. How do you think about reconciling that with the parallels drawn between Anita Hill and the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh and the debate going on right now? Sure, well, I think it's a- Also, I want to say, we don't
2: know when this will air, so that might have resolved when this airs. So we are asking before we actually know how that's going to unfold.
0: Sure obviously a very sensitive subject, one that I think everyone is taking very seriously on on both sides of the aisle. I'm in the House, so we're not in the business of confirming nominees, including the Supreme Court nominee. But, you know, I can say as a female who is tasked with optics, clearly having female voices at the table is incredibly important. And I think that's why I'm pleased that Senator Susan Collins has really taken a leading role in in these discussions. As it relates to the larger population of people serving, the committees reflect those larger populations and so when there's more male senators period there are more male senators on these committees and that's what i think i was trying to get to at the beginning and, you know of this of uh, this particular conversation is it starts with recruitment of these candidates to even get women in the mix in the first place to serve in the senate to then serve on the judiciary committee to then you know, these are follow on results and so it starts from that very beginning that seed getting planted and then having those people be when you part talk of the discussion. about like
2: you know it's, a, it's very similar to when we talk about women in tech and it's a systemic issue it's not it's not just something at the top and you know it goes back to like how are our, how our schooling um you know the curriculums being geared towards young girls what is the systemic solution in your opinion to to create gender diversity in these committees sure well
0: I, like i said with Congresswoman Elise Stefanik in New York, she has taken it upon herself to go around the country and find women who are interested, open to the idea of serving their communities. A lot of people already are. Uh, a lot of women are serving on school boards or other volunteer capacities. They're working full-time. They're stay-at-home moms. There are a lot of women that are already doing these types of service roles. Identifying them and asking them <laughs> to run for Congress is important because studies have shown these... People and men and women, largely speaking, aren't going to volunteer themselves. They don't see themselves as, I should be the next Congressperson from this this district. So, the work that Congresswoman Molly Stefanik is doing in identifying these women and asking them to run, helping them with the resources that they might need, providing them with the answers to the questions that they might have, is incredibly important uh, from that you know low lower level, the community level. Because if we're not even having this idea in people's heads that they could be the next congressperson from their, their district, they're certainly not going to run. And it's it's going to be status quo. I'm pleased it's not. Please, like I said this last cycle, we've had I, I think it was over 120 women on our side of the aisle who were recruited and did run. That's important. And the more women see other women running, I think you know, that they think I could do that too. And, and it's not it's not as crazy of an idea.
2: Who are your mentors to get to your job today?
0: Well, I would have to say my first and foremost mentor is my dad. I wouldn't be really doing anything without him. Um, he teaches me everything from oil changes to <laughs> practical skills to to being a professional. So I would say he certainly is my hero and my my top mentor as it as to. Was he work, in politics? He wasn't. It's it's a funny thing. Uh, I think he he's more drawn to politics now because of my influence, but. I remember him always being involved civically, community volunteer organizations and whatnot, but I never really remember politics being a big thing in my household. Other mentors, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I didn't email Dana Perino probably three times a day. (laughs) Um, And she gets back to me. Uh, She's been an incredible help throughout my career. I remember first talking with her when I worked at the White House, and I was a very low-level and she was obviously at the peak of her career at that time and she gave me time then and has ever since given me a lot of time and it's been a real lesson in paying it forward and ensuring that um, the time that she's given me is I mean, time that I'm going to be giving to other people.
1: One of the things that we struggle with is I think at this point we're all in the face of being really in the grind of our jobs. How do you make time to give that mentorship back while also being at the point where you're still really learning that's a great question i can't
0: say that i always do it flawlessly but i do try on fridays uh, when we're not in session to use the morning hours for coffees i try to have people come to my office it's easier it's ensures that it happens and and i should step back and say i make myself available on the front end to tell people reach out to me i i know that there's probably a barrier for a 22 year old who might not feel comfortable in their first job reaching out to me so i go to meetings on on mondays we have this communications meeting and i make it known if you want to meet with me i'm happy to meet with you and i'm happy to share my experience so i think just letting people know are you know flooded that you,
2: with requests or not
0: I am, yeah. I I think my colleagues can tell you I'm. <laughs> I'm running to mentoring coffees often. I don't. I actually hate that word though. I I get as much out of it as they do. Mm-hmm. The the word mentoring. I don't. I don't mean to suggest I'm giving people insight that they don't have. I think it's an exercise that's great for both both parties involved
2: we recently had the um ceo of soul cycle on and she has um what she calls a millennial mentor uh so a very young person in her office that she takes out and she's like tell me everything like teach me <laughs> and i love that i've been thinking a lot about that um so i appreciate that perspective
1: if you haven't caught on one thing we talk about a lot at the skim are millennials Female millennials, being millennials, managing millennials. So that's why we're going to talk to you about Common Bond. They base loan options off of your unique situation.
2: Yeah. So think about things like your payment history, your education. Uh, They don't just have blanket loan
1: options. Instead, they really just tailor the loan for what your situation calls for. And we like personalization because it's about us, which means you get a lower interest rate. It also means more money in your pocket.
2: So best part, it's super straightforward, which we always appreciate. No fees, no hidden costs, just savings. Uh, Go to commonbond.co slash skim. Listeners who refinance their loans through this URL will receive a $200 cash bonus from Common Bond. Go to commonbond.co slash skim. And again, if you refinance your loans through this URL, you will receive a $200
1: cash bonus from Common Bond. Media has changed so rapidly since you entered this career. How has that affected your job description? And uh, is there something that you have to do now or have to think about now that five years ago was not on your mind at all?
0: Absolutely. When I first started on the Hill as a press assistant about a decade ago, I remember we would print off the press releases and send them, hand deliver them to the press gallery and fax them to the press gallery. That's crazy <laughs> these days. People get our statements immediately. Um, Twitter obviously was not in existence uh, as it is now. I start my mornings on Twitter. I I would like to change that. I don't know how I can change that at this point. But my mornings start early, and and the news is early because there's already so much going on. And with a platform like Twitter, everybody knows and is engaged in the news so much earlier than they used to be. And I think the news never stops. That's the other difference. Um, there used to be filing deadlines, and it, you'd go to print for the next day. At this point, we have stories posting at all hours, 11 o'clock, midnight. So your job never stops. So what? walk us through a day in the life. What time do you wake up? What time do you try sure. to go to bed? I wish that I could say I had a consistent routine in the morning. I did for a while there. I'm a little bit out of it, but my ideal morning would be Waking up around 6, making my bed always, every day, (laughs) without fail. It's the one thing I feel like I have control of over my day. I'd like to get a run-in. I, generally speaking, try to run in the mornings on the mall. Um, Do
2: you check your work email first?
0: I do. I wish that I could say I didn't, but I do. (laughs) And I do respond to the pressing inquiries that I have at that point. If they can wait, then I, I will put them off. But generally speaking, I get back to them. I listen to audio readings of, I'm, I'm Catholic, so the daily uh, readings, and then I start my day. And I'm generally speaking in the office around nine. It's not a particularly incredibly early uh, morning in terms of, of being physically there, but the morning is different on any given day as I, when I get to the office. Uh, we have two press conferences a week. Those days uh, are a little earlier. And, um, and then from there, we have interviews, uh, for when you guys were in our office, you saw how quickly it was in and out. That's, you guys were on time. <laughs> yes, yeah, very much so. Our scheduler, uh, director of scheduling, runs a tight operation. <laughs> so we, we have a busy day full of foreign diplomat meetings for the speaker, um, meetings with other members, uh, meetings with constituent groups, lots of reporter meetings, depending on the day or the
2: week. Do you, I mean, you're obviously, you're front and center a lot of the mm-hmm. time. Do you get nervous? Do you ever? When when do you still get nervous, if at all? I'd be
0: lying if I said I didn't. I think it's a healthy, and natural thing to feel that sense of, of nervousness. If you're not feeling that, you're not. I don't think you're rising to the occasion. You're not bringing your best effort. And if you've plateaued at that point, you should probably find another challenge and keep moving, keep moving up. I do get nervous, and I do try to pretend like I've I've been there before, <laughs> um, but. I think it's a healthy thing to get nervous as a professional, both men and women. I think that's a healthy, a healthy nervousness.
1: What's the worst mistake you've made on the job?
0: (laughs) The worst mistake. You know, that is a great question. I probably made so many that (laughs) um, nothing stands out as, you know, cataclysmic. I probably, you know, explaining something in a way that maybe isn't accurate and then having to go back to a reporter and correct what I've said. That's incredibly important to me, ensuring that I double back on what I've said and making sure that I, I correct the record if I did speak out of out of turn. That's probably a more realistic day-to-day thing that I've, I've done. I can't think of anything horrendous at this point, but I'm sure that
1: I... <laughs> What's been, I mean, you've worked on a presidential campaign, you've seen a lot of different versions of this role. What's been the best moment for you? The moment where you were like, that was me. Like That was my message, that was a
0: win. The best moment, I would say, working in the speaker's office has had any number of those moments. We've had some pretty big uh, messaging opportunities. It's in these little moments where I provided guidance an advance of a press conference, and my boss listens and takes that, and and I might be the only person that notices that small tweak that that is made in his answer, but it's the world of difference knowing that I provided that counsel, that a very powerful person listened to that counsel, and then it was delivered, and that the message was was conveyed either in the headline, or in his quote, or in the thrust of the articles that are coming out uh, following the press conference. So. There probably are any number of times that that's happened, and it's been a pretty profound moment.
2: How do you unplug? Your job, as you said, is twenty-four-seven. So, like, if you do get the run-in in in the day, assume that that's some 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 therapeutic me time. But, like, do you turn off at night? On the weekends, like, how do you kind of try to be a person?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't unplug often in terms of connectivity. I, I will say I have three sort of frameworks of how I can unplug. Running is the first one. And and I would say I do that as often as possible. I have a route that I do. It never gets old. I run by the monuments on the mall and I feel pretty grateful every day that I do that. The second way is having good girlfriends around you, whether that's a Bible study, that's getting a glass of wine with someone after work, Carving out that time is incredibly important and I don't think that that's something I did in my 20s. And I've, I've found that that is something that brings real fulfillment to my life at present. And then the third is going to Montana. I'm from Montana. Um, I get home as often as possible. I'm a big fly fisher. I love skiing, backpacking. I just got back from a big backpacking trip with my, my dad and my brother and mm. a couple of friends. So um, anything in the mountains and I'm unplugged and happy.
2: What is the worst advice that you've been given?
0: Hands down, the worst advice I've been given is stay in your lane. Mm. I think that that is a sentiment of coming from a place of no, and it really holds down creativity in an office, and it holds down productivity, and a real collaborative possibility for that team. I think that as young professionals, you should always be pushing the bounds with regard to your ideas, your thoughts, in a prudent way, obviously, having done your research and knowing that you're right and before you offer a comment. But I think it's important to be asking questions that might not be related to your job description maybe have we ever considered doing this bill on this issue? I'm not a policy person, but in my office that's a sentiment that is not only accepted, it's encouraged, it's expected. And I think that I want to always make sure that as a manager that's something that I encourage other younger people to do is to step outside of their quote unquote lane and give that advice, ask those questions. And I think it makes for a much better, stronger team.
1: I like that advice. What's so interesting about dc in the world of politics is like it's totally normal to switch roles because people are switching positions they're running for a different office they're retiring that also means as you do that you have to negotiate i'm assuming for yourself in each different role right. when's the last time you had to do that and any advice on how you go into that
0: sure well negotiation with regard to salary i i think is something that as when you're working for the or tax, title or for title right well I'll start with salary and we can go to title uh, briefly when you're working for the taxpayer it's slightly different than a, a company and so having that awareness changes the game a little bit but that being said it all comes down to research and doing your research on the front end and and having that prepared before you make an ask I think that's important I've in many points in my career, made those asks, they're always hard. Uh, It's always uncomfortable to have that conversation, but it's always been rewarded because I've always tried to do my work on the front end in terms of comparing similar roles to similar compensation, that sort of research on the front end. Negotiating titles, DC is a town full of titles. There's, (laughs) everyone has a title and they're long and hard to understand. And I've never been too concerned with a title. I've, I've generally speaking fallen into fairly straightforward roles that, whether it's communications director or spokesperson or uh, whatever else. So that's not something that I've had to be too concerned about. But I'm sure that there are other folks who you know have negotiated that.
2: What is something that you have wanted to do in your professional career that you have not done yet? That's
0: a really good question. This last year, I've checked off. I, I really wanted to travel on a congressional delegation with the speaker and. I was able to do that this year. So that was probably the last remaining thing in this job that I was really Mm -hmm. eager to do and to see him in that role and and communicate his goals on the international stage. He's sort of known as a domestic policy guy, and it was exciting to see and communicate his uh, goals in the international stage. There's not a lot left in this role, but that being said, I know I have so much left to learn, and I'm really really excited to uh, enter this new phase and learn an entirely new skill set. I don't know what that is, but I'm eager to take on that next step.
2: Great. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank Thank you.
0: It's been uh, my total pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait
2: until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information
1: you need to start your day. Sign up at theskimm.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot Two M's for a little something extra.